Sponsored by Rabbi Shlemi and Mirla Greenwald. This is a sicha from Lakota Sichas, Chelikir Aleph, Parshas Kisisa, Sicha Aleph. And the topic of the sicha is that in this week's Parsha we learn about what Aaron did with the gold that the Eden brought to him to make the eagle with, and we learn a Rashi on this. And this is a very long sicha. There are four parts in the sicha. The Rebbe, number one, asks six questions on the Rashi and answers them. Number two, explains in Pshuta Shal Mikra how Aaron participated in making the eagle. Number three, explains in Halacha how Aaron participated in making the eagle. And number four, presents the Yenishal Torah in Rashi. It says in our parsha, after Aaron told the Yidin, Parku Nizme Azov, take off the golden earrings. And then, Vayaviyul Aaron, they brought it to Aaron. So it says, Vayikach Miyodam, Aaron took it from their hands. Vayotzer Isa Vacheret, and we'll see what this means in Rashi. Vayaseyu Ego Masecha, and he made it into a molten calf. And Rashi explains, what does it mean, Vayotzer Isa Vacheret? We can explain it in two ways. One of the ways is, Vayotzer Lushank Shira. Vayotzer means to tie. Bacheret Lushain Sudar. Bacheret means a kerchief. So Aaron tied the gold in a kerchief. And Rashi brings two psukim for this. Number one, It says in the Pasuk, So since they're written next to one another, we know that there are similar items, and mitbeches are pieces of cloth or scarves, so charitin mean kerchiefs. A second Pasuk is, He tied kikrayim kesef in two kerchiefs. So that's the first explanation. And the second explanation is, means a form or a shape. Bacheret, what's Bacheret, clay umanus atzerfen. It's the tool of a smith. Shachertsin vercherson by tzuras bezov. They use it to engrave and to draw different forms in the gold. Keit seifer hacheres eisies beluches ubenkasen, like the stylus of a scribe that he uses to to make letters in boards and in tablets. K'may uchseiv olav becheret enish, like it says in the pasuk, uchseiv olav to write. On it, becheret enish with the stylus of a person. Rashi continues, v'zeu shetirgum unkelis. This is what unkelis says. V'tzar yase bezifa l'shain ziyuf. He's saying it's the word means to ziyuf to draw with it. Who kli umanus shechartzim by bezav oisies uskedim. It's the tool of a craftsman that they use to make in gold letters and shapes. Shekerim Balaz Nile. In Laz, it's called Nile. Umezaifin al And with it, they would engrave and make seals that you could use to stamp something with. And there are six questions here. Number one, it's known that when Rashi gives more than one Pirush, so it's because each of them have a difficulty that the other one doesn't have. And the question is that over here, both Pirushim seem to fit perfectly. The second question is, why does Rashi need to start by saying that there are two Purushim here? We can see it for ourselves. Why does Rashi begin his Purush by saying, that we're able to explain it in two ways. The third question is, the wording that Rashi uses over here for each of the Purushim, first he says, one of the Purushim is as follows, Vasheni, the second one, so that wording, is unusual in Rashi. What Rashi will usually say, like in the next Rashi, he actually uses this other way. He says, there are those that say, or what Rashi would say, which we actually find in the Rashi after that, that when there's another Purush, Rashi will say, another explanation. So why over here does Rashi use this terminology of the fourth question is, why does Rashi need two proofs over here? And also, why does Rashi present them out of order? Because the first proof that Rashi presents is from 
Yeshayo, and the second proof that Rashi presents is from Malachim, but in the order of the Nach, Malachim comes before Sefer Yeshayo. The fifth question is, why doesn't Rashi bring proofs from Chumash that we already learned? So first of all, they're in Chumash, which comes before Nevi'im, and second of all, we already learned these Psukim, where it says in Parshas Mikates, Tzerur Kaspei, and Rashi explains that it's Kesher Kaspei, which is something that's tied. And also in Parshas Bay, we have Tzerurais Besim Laisam, that it was tied in their garments. So why doesn't Rashi bring those as proofs that the word Vayatzer means to tie? And the sixth question is, why does Rashi add the whole section in the second parish of Ke'et Seifer, like the pen of the stylus of a scribe, and then he brings down Tirgum Unculus and he explains Unculus. Why does Rashi need that whole section? Why doesn't Rashi just say that Vayotz, that Vayotzar is Lashain Tzorah to make a shape, and Bacheret is Klei Umanus Atzerfen? Cheret is the tool of the smiths, Shechertz and Vacherson by Surus Bazav, and then bring the Pasuk, Uchsev Alav Bacheret Enish. Why does Rashi have to bring the sections of Ke'et Seifer and Tirgum Unculus and explain what Unculus is, what Unculus is saying? So the explanation in all of this is as follows. I'm going to start with the first parish. And we're going to answer the fifth as well as the fourth questions. I'm going to start with the fifth question. So the reason Rashi doesn't bring a proof from Tzurur Kaspei and Tzurur's Bissim Laysam is because those words over there, Tzurur and Tzurur's, have two ration. And we're trying to figure out what the word Vayatsar, which has one ration, means. However... Rashi also can't bring a proof from the Pasuk in Malachim that appears first. He can't bring a proof from that Pasuk alone, and he doesn't bring it first, where it says, Vayatzer kikrayim kesef bishnei haritin. He can't bring a proof from there that Vayatzer l'shein kshira, that Vayatzer means to tie, since there's no proof that haritin are kerchiefs, that we can then understand that Vayatzer means to tie those kerchiefs. And therefore, Rashi first brings the Pasuk from Yeshayo that appears second. That's his first proof, where it says, that shows us that Charitin are like Mitbachis. And since Mitbachis are scarves or pieces of cloth, so we see that Charitin are kerchiefs. And so we can learn that Vayatsar, that's said by Charet, means to tie. However, this Pasuk alone is not enough, because we can still ask that although Charitin are kerchiefs, but cheret is actually a different word. And the plural of cheret is not charitim, but rather the plural of cheret is charatim. Like we find that the plural of chesed is chasadim. So we see there is a segel under the second letter, chesed, and then the plural is chasadim, that the second letter gets a kamatz. And so too where it says cherev, and then the plural of cherev is charavais. And so the plural of cheret, we're going to say, which is a different word, is charatim. And so we don't have a proof any longer that vayatzer means to tie. And therefore Rashi also brings the Pasuk from Malachim, where it says vayatzer kikrayim kesef bishnei charitim, where vayatzer is said about charitim. So we can see that vayatzer means to tie, because charitim are kerchiefs. So Vyatzer must mean to tie the kerchiefs. And so we will now say the same thing in our Pasuk. And we're going to explain that the plural of Charet is Charitim. Like we find elsewhere that the plural of a word doesn't fit into the regular rule. For example, we have Isha for a woman and plural is Nashim. And we have Bas for a daughter and the plural is Banais.
Now we're going to move on to begin answering the first question, which was, why does Rashi bring two Purushim if each of them seem to fit perfectly in the Pasuk? And the rule is that if Rashi brings two Purushim, it's because each of them has a different difficulty. So the Sikha continues, however, according to this explanation, then the very next words in the Pasuk of Vayaseyu Ego these words come immediately after the words Vayatzer Eisabacheret, so those next words, Vayaseyu Ego and he made it into a molten calf, aren't understood. Because since Aaron only tied the gold in a kerchief, according to this first explanation, so that means that he didn't make the eagle, he just tied it in a kerchief, but he didn't actually make the eagle. And so these next words, don't refer to Aaron, but rather, as Rashi indeed says, that according to this explanation, that Aaron only tied it in a kerchief, it refers either to the they're the ones that made it into a molten calf, or it refers to Micha, that he was the one that made it into a molten calf. And so the two parts of the Pasuk refer to different people, and it's difficult to say that. And even though you can say, as Rashi says many times, that the Pasuk is written in a shortened version, and it doesn't specify who we're talking about. And so it means to say, Vayatsar, and he, Aaron, tied it in a kerchief. And Vayaseyu, and he, either the Mechash Ve'erev Rav or Micha, made it into a molten calf. But nevertheless, it's difficult to say that within one Pasuk, that each part of the Pasuk refers to someone else. And so here we see what is the difficulty with the first Pirush and why there's a need for a second Pirush. And then we'll continue now to present in the next section what the second Pirush is, what is difficult in the second parish that as a result of that, Rashi also has to bring the first parish. And because of this difficulty with the first parish on how to read the words, Vayaseyu Ego Masecha, so therefore Rashi brings a second parish, that Vayatzer L'Shoin Surah. Vayatzer means to engrave, to make a form, to make a shape. And Bacheret means, Kleyu Manas Hatzarfim, Shechartzim V'charsim B'Yitzuras Bezav. It's the tool of the smiths that they use to make shapes and forms in gold. And the advantage of this is because then also the words Vayaseyu Ego Masecha refers to Aaron. So Vayatzer Eisabacheret, Aaron shaped it, formed it with this tool, Vayaseyu Ego Masecha, and he, Aaron, made it into a molten calf. However, there's a difficulty with this explanation as well, and that's why Rashi also brings the first explanation. However, according to this, you can ask that it says later, when Aaron described to Moshe Rabbeinu what happened, he said, I threw it into the fire, and this calf came out, which implies that Aaron didn't make the eagle, because it says that he threw it in the fire, and then the calf came out, not that he engraved it with this tool. And even though you can say it's a shortened version, it doesn't say all the details, but really... We know the details from beforehand, and the Pasuk doesn't repeat them. So, even though we can say that it's a shortened version of what happened, but the implication is that it was a surprise to Aaron. It's not just that some of the details are missing. The way, the way the words are written, it implies that this was a surprise to Aaron, that he threw it into the fire, and then this calf came out, and he didn't know it's going to come out. And so, therefore, because of the difficulty in this second pirush, that's why Rashi also brings the first pirush. Now we're going to move on to answer the second and third questions. So now we can understand why Rashi says at the beginning, before presenting the two Purushim, he says, Yesh panim. We could explain it in two ways. And we asked, why does Rashi have to say this? We could count on our own. And then Rashi also says, when he presents the two Purushim, one of them is as follows, Vasheni, and the second one is as follows. And we asked, why does Rashi present it this way? Usually he presents it in a different way. So the explanation to this is as follows. So we're going to talk about what Rashi usually does and explain why he does it this way, and then why over here it's different. So when Rashi brings two Purushim, 
It's because each one has a difficulty that the other one doesn't have. And the one that he teaches first is the main one, since the difficulty on it is not as great. So when Rashi is bringing two Purushim, it's because each one has a difficulty. However, the first one has the difficulty on the first one is less than the difficulty on the second one, and therefore Rashi teaches it first to tell us that this is the main explanation. And in a case where both Purushim are equal, so what does Rashi do then? Rashi is unable to write both of them at once. So what Rashi does is that he, Rashi then introduces at the very start that there are two Purushim in order to say that they are both equal. And the only reason one is written before the other is because there's no other alternative. We can't write both of them at once. So in order to communicate that they're both equal, Rashi says there are two Purushim here. And here, both Purushim are equal because they both have the same difficulty in regards to how they fit with what's written later. And both can be resolved with difficulty by explaining that it's a shortened version. So both of them have a problem with the words that appear later on. The first parish has a problem with the words Vayaseyu Egel Masecha. The second parish has a problem with the words Vashlicheyu Be'esh Vayetzay Egel Azet. And each of them can be explained with difficulty by saying that it's a shortened version. Vayaseyu Egel Masecha means someone else, either Mechashve Erev or Micha. And Vashlicheyu Be'esh can be explained to mean after I engraved it, after Aaron is saying, after I engraved it with the tool of the smiths, then I threw it into the fire and the eagle came out. So each of them has the same difficulty, which is with the words that appear later, and each can be resolved with difficulty by explaining that it's a shortened version. And so that's why Rashi starts off by saying that there are two Purushim to tell us that they are both equal. And that's also why Rashi writes Ha'echad Vasheni to emphasize this point. It's not Harishen, the first one, that is, so to speak, first and primary, but rather it's just one of the two of the Purushim, and it's equal to the other one. It's one of the two Purushim that there are. And so in order to emphasize that they're equal, Rashi says Ha'echad Vahasheni. One of them is this, and the second one is, is that. So by saying Ha'echad versus Harishen, Rashi is emphasizing and, bring, and indicating that this is just one of two equal Purushim. Now we're going to move on to answer the sixth and only remaining unanswered question. So the Sikha continues. However, we can ask on the second explanation that it says, And so it doesn't sound like it's a clay umanasatzerfen. This doesn't sound like it's a tool of smiths, that they use to engrave and make shapes in the gold. But rather, it sounds like something to write with. And write with the cheret. And it's hard to say that this is a third meaning to the word cheret. That cheret can either mean kerchiefs, like we see clearly in the psukim that we presented. And cheret can mean the tool of a smith. And cheret can also mean like a stylus or a pen that's used to write with. And therefore, Rashi explains that cheret isn't the name of a specific tool, but rather the tool of the smiths is called a cheret because of the action done with it. So it's not that it's its unique name, but rather it's given this name because of the action that's done with it. And therefore, just like the word cheret can be used as the name of a clay umanasatzarfen for the tool of the smiths, shechertsim vechertsim baitzuris bezav, that they used to engrave and make shapes in the gold, so it can also be used for an eight cipher. It can also be used for the stylus of a scribe, that he pushes strongly to make letters he, he presses it strongly into these uh, tablets and boards to make, letter, make letters with it. Since both of them are being used to form things either in the gold or in these boards and tablets. And this is also why Rashi quotes the word Enish. He doesn't just say, He also says Enish. 
to emphasize that this is not talking about the tool of a smith, because an enish is a regular person who isn't a craftsman. And since charet is not a common word, and also it's uncertain what it means, like we said before, maybe it's a third meaning to the word, and also it's one name for a tool that's being used for carving and writing, so it's difficult, we have these problems, it's not common, it's uncertain what it means, we're saying it's being used for different types of tools, so therefore Rashi brings a proof from Targum Unkelus that it's Vitsar Yosei Bezifa, which is a tool that's used for both writing and carving. And he concludes with the words, Umezaifen al that they make with it these seals to show that it has this name because of the action that's done with it. So the Rashi says, Vitsar Yosei Bezifa, Vayatsar, Olav Becheret. So the word Cheret is Zifa. And Zifa is a tool that's used for both writing and carving. And then Rashi says, Umezaifen al that the emphasis is mezaifen, the action that's done with it. And so if it's the action that's done with it, then two different tools can have the same name. Now we're going to move on to the second section of the Sikha. So we're already done answering all the questions on Rashi, and we're going to move on to a side discussion. Although this can still be included in the first part of the Sikha, since it's a difficulty on the second Pirush of Rashi, that Aaron actually engraved the form of the eagle in the gold. So the Sikha continues, however, this second Pirush of Rashi isn't understood at all. Because from the Psukim, we can see the great Kedusha and Tzitkos of Aaron. So how can we say that Aaron himself carved the eagle, which is Avodah Zarah? So this will be understood by prefacing that the same question can be asked regarding all of the Yidin. We know that a short time before this, they stood at Har Sinai, and they heard the Aserah Sedivris, including and and they saw the Koilis from the four directions, and from the Shamayim, and from the Oritz, so how could they come to Avodah Zarah? And even though it says that the Satan came and he confused everything, he showed darkness, and confusion, etc., that still doesn't explain such a descent from such a high place to such a low place. So the same question can be asked regarding all of the Yidin. And so as a result of this, we must say that even in Pshutosh Mikra, the answer is understood, and it's also so simple that Rashi doesn't have to explain it. And the explanation is as follows. It says clearly in the Pasuk, The nation saw that Moshe wasn't coming down. And they said, Make for us an Elikim. Because this Moshe, the man who brought us up from Eretz Mitzrayim, We don't know what happened to him. Meaning, what do we see from here? That they weren't seeking Avodah Zorah in place, Chas Shalom of Hashem, but rather something in place of Moshe. And when they said, which means make for us an Elikim, they explained what the purpose was, that it was for the purpose of Asher that will lead us. And the word Elikim is similar to what Rashi says on which basically means a leader or somebody in charge, somebody with power, and it's just that afterwards, some people got carried away, and they considered it Avodah Zarah, and those were the ones who were killed. So this is the answer in Pshut Mikra how Aaron did not, Chas Shalom participate in the making of something which is Avodah Zarah. 
However, there's still a side question. So we answered our question how it's not Avodah Zarah, because they were looking for the eagle to replace Hashem. But there's still a side question over here, and that is that here too we can ask, how did they say that the eagle should replace Moshe, who was an Ishalikim, and that it says about him, So just like, let's take an example, just like it's forbidden for a person to say that the Son is God, it's also a problem for a person to attribute any power to the Son and say that it's powerful. So, although the Yidden weren't saying over here that the eagle should replace Hashem, and that it is God, Chas Shalom, but they were saying that it has power, and it should replace Moshe Rabbeinu. So why isn't that a problem of Avodah Zarah? So the answer to this is that it's not similar to Avodah Zarah at all, because here there's room for such a mistake. What's the basis for this mistake? Since when Hashem commanded the Yidden to make the Mishkan, whose purpose was that the Shekhinah could dwell among the Yidin. That's the whole purpose of the Mishkan. So we see that the main part of the Mishkan, where the Shekhinah was dwelling, was the Arun and Kruvim. As it says, Vidibarti Itcha, where did Hashem speak to Moshe Rabbeinu? We have the revelation of Hashem. So we can compare the Kruvim to a sort of Mamutza between the Yidin and Hashem. They had this thing. And this is especially according to what Rashi explains on the Pasuk, The Rashi says you shouldn't think to make Kruvim in your shoals. And so the question is, why would we ever think to make Kruvim in the shoals? And the answer is, because that's what existed in the Beis HaMikdush. And a person would think that we should make it in the shoals also as a Mamutza. And regarding this Isser, if they were told it's forbidden, so then what's the basis for this mistake? This wasn't yet said to the Yidden. They didn't yet know of this Isser, but they did have the concept of Kruvim. So that would be the basis for the mistake and why it's not a form of Avedah Zarah. And this idea is hinted to in the word Enesh that Rashi brings. Like the Rambam says, how did Avedah Zarah start? It was in the days of Enesh that they started off by making a mistake that since Hashem made the sun and the moon and all the things in the heavens, so he wants us to honor them. And then afterwards, it devolved to actual Avedah Zarah. And so to here, first it started off with the thought that the Eagle could be a sort of a mamutza, like the Kruvim, and then afterwards it evolved that they actually thought it had independent and its own personal power, and they served it in that way. And so that's why Rashi words uses the word Enish over here. He's hinting to this idea that it started off with something that was less of an issue, or in this case, maybe not an issue at all, and then afterwards it evolved and they actually thought that the Eagle has independent and its own power and free choice. Now we're going to move on to the third section of the Sikha, and it's quite a lengthy and complex section of the Sikha that brings up a number of different Gemaras as well as Rambams. So the Sikha continues that we can also answer this question, how is it possible that Aaron would chas do Avedazara in Halacha? Meaning when we use the terminology of Halacha in terms of Aaron making an Avedazara, when we look at the criteria for that to happen, we'll be able to answer in Halacha how it wasn't the making of so we're going to be answering this question. How is it possible that Aaron would chas v'shalom do Avedazara in halacha? So when we look, we see that Aaron said, Parku nizme hazav, remove, take off the gold earrings, and bring it to me. So he told them to bring it to him. But he did not say that they should give it to him. Just bring it here, but don't give it to me. Meaning that he revealed that he didn't want to acquire ownership over it. And so it's understood that he didn't acquire it, because a person is not going to acquire something against their will. And especially since they originally said, make it for us. So Aaron didn't want to acquire it, and they didn't want to give it. So obviously, Aaron did not have ownership over it. And the rule is, 
A person cannot make something which is not his to be forbidden. He can't turn another person's object into an Aved And so since Aaron did not have ownership over the gold that was brought to him, so therefore he wasn't able to make it into an Aved Now we're going to move on to a side question on this answer. And the reason we're presenting it as a side question, because although it challenges this answer, ultimately the answer will remain with some additional information. And so it's here as a side question that's going to be resolved. And the question is, however, we see that Adam Eiser Davish initially, when the other person, the one that gives it to him, shows that he wants this thing to become Aser. We see this, it says in the Gemara, in Mesech Zavadazara, the Gemara there says, Amar Achmona, the merciful one says, in the Torah, Hashem says, Vashareim Tisrifum Be'esh, you should burn their Asherah trees in fire. And the Gemara asks, Michdi, let us see, Yerusha Himaviseim, the land of Eretz Yisrael is an inheritance to the Yidden from their fathers. And another person, meaning the Goyim, who used the Asherah trees for Avodah Zarah, cannot make Asr something which doesn't belong to them. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the Yidden. And the Gemara answers, Rather, the explanation is that from this, that the Yidden worshipped the Egel, they revealed their minds, that they were interested, they were happy with and so when the came and used the Asherah trees for they were doing the shlichus, they were doing what the Yidin wanted. And the Gemara then continues and asks, Maybe the Yidin only wanted the Egel, but other things they did not want, they didn't want other forms of Avodah Zarah. And the Gemara answers, Amar Kra, the Yidin said by the eagle, the word is plural. It teaches us that they wanted many gods. And so they revealed their intention that they were interested in Avodah Zarah. But the point of this Gemara is we see that if the person that it belongs to wants it to become Asr, then the other person is able to make it Asr even though it doesn't belong to him. So, so to over here, the Yidin clearly revealed that they wanted it to become Asr. So why didn't Aaron make it Asr al Allah? We said that Aaron was unable to make it into an Avedah Zarah because ain't Adam Isa Davish But here we see that under these circumstances, it would seem that a person is able to make it Asr. So the lead up to the answer is, the Rambam writes, Yisrael Shazakaf Levena Lishtachav Yisla, A Yid that stood up a brick to bow to it, and he didn't bow to it, and a non-Jew came, a non-Jew worships of the Zara came and bowed to it. He made it usher in Hana, because the act of the Yid standing up his own brick, that's an action. And therefore, when the non-Jew comes and bows to it, it makes it usher. And the question over here is, why does the Rambam say that standing it up is an action? The Rambam's source is from the Gemara. Also in Avodah Zarah. It's in that section that we just quoted in earlier as well that says that the reason that when a person stands up the brick and then the guy bows to it, it becomes Usr is because Kishazakaf Levena, when he stood up the brick, Galya Daite, he revealed his mind, that he wants it to be a and Avedah Zara, Vichi also Evde Kechavim, and so when the guy comes, Upalachla, and he worships it, Shlichusa Didei Kaavid, he's doing his Shlichus, like we said previously with the Yidden, and the Asherah trees in Eretz Yisrael. So why does the Rambam say that it's because it's a Maisa? And this is especially since, and this is more elaborate in the Sicha, 
This whole section is much more at length in the Sikha in general, especially since the main Chiddush and the Maskana of the Gemara is that the Gilidas is the key. That's the whole point of the Gemara there, is that the Gilidas is the key more than the Maisa. And the answer is that the Rambam source is because the Gemara says, Since the Yidin worshipped the Egel, they revealed their minds, the that they are happy and they wanted to be Avedazara, even though there was already Giladas from Aseilonu, the Gamer. The Yidin already said beforehand, Aseilonu, make it for us. They clearly showed in the, in the biggest possible way that they wanted it to be Avedazara. But the Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara adds Medipolchu because they actually worshipped it. So we see from here that the Giladas. Is, is the key, but it has to come through a Maisa. So yes, the Rambam is telling us, Kifasa Maisa, because what he's saying is, the fact that he revealed that he wants it, as an Avedazara, through a Maisa. And we see that that's required from the Gemara, because the Gemara says, from this, that the Yidin worshipped it, that's how we, they revealed that they wanted Avedazara. Not from the fact that they said, make for us an Avedazara. So we see that the person has to reveal his intentions, which is the key, but the revelation has to be through a Maisa. And so we see, this is, leads into our answer. So we see that the Gilidas has to come specifically through a Misa. And over here, there was no Misa that occurred with the, with the Yidin. The Yidin did not yet do any Misa by the Egel. And the Rebbe adds over here, again, it's much more at length in the Sicha, that when they said, Ela Elekecha Yisrael, the, the Gemara says, if you remember in the question we had, that since the Yidin said, Ela Elekecha Yisrael, they used plural for Elekecha, it means they wanted other gods. It's not just that revealed that they wanted many gods. It's that in conjunction with what we said previously in the Gemara, Midepolcha Yisrael, that they also worshipped it. And so over here, where there was no action done by the Yidin, that they were worshipping of Zara with the actual item itself, therefore, the Giladas is not effective. And we go back that ain't Adam Iser This explanation that we just said in the Rambam, this answers another difficulty. So it's a side point, and that is that the Gemara there inquires whether it's Usser in a case where Shazakaf Lebeitza, a person stood up an egg Lishtachav to bow to it, He didn't bow to it, and a non-Jew came and he bowed to it. And the Gemara says, do we say, that a brick, there you can tell when a person stands it up, because it's a lot taller when it's stood up than when it's lying down. But an egg, you can't really tell. Or perhaps, it doesn't matter. And the question is, but if the main thing is Giludas, then why does Minkarus Kifasa matter? If all that matters is that the person reveals that he wants it, why is it relevant whether you could recognize that he stood it up or you can't recognize? But according to what we just explained, we understand very well because it's only the Giladas together with Maisa. And therefore, by the case of a Beitza, there's room to inquire whether a small Maisa is enough. Since this is very small, maybe it doesn't replace a proper Maisa. And so it's not enough. And that's the basis for the Gemara's inquiry. And now we come back to our original question about how did Aaron participate in the making of the eagle and it wasn't a form of making of the Zara in Halacha. So according to this, that only Giladas through a Maiset and the type of Maiset that's that they're worshipping it, like Midipolchu, like the Gemara says, that they worshipped the eagle, that it, so according to this, that it only Giladas through a Maisa allows a person to be Oyser Dover She'en so it's understood that Aaron could not make the eagle to be Oser, because since it's 
it's a davar she'enishalai. It doesn't belong to him. And ain adam oisa davar she'enishalai. He wasn't able to do it. And even though there was a giladas, but we explained that's only effective if it's together with a maisa. And over here, there was no maisa of worshiping the eagle that already happened. Then another two points, and furthermore, according to what the Rambam writes in Hilchas Shchita, she'en adam Yisrael oiser davar she'enishalai. A Jewish person cannot make us or something that doesn't belong to him. Because his intent is nothing but in order to cause the other person pain, he doesn't really want to make it usher. So then, even with Gilidas, it's not enough. Even if we had Gilidas with a Misa, it still wouldn't be enough, since that only gives him the power that he can make it usher. From the Rambam, we see that a Yid can't make it usher because it's not what he wants to do, which means that it's not enough that there's Gilidas through a Misa. It also has to be that the person making it usher wants to make it usher. So that means that it only gives him the power and the ability to make it usher if that's what he wants to do. And so here, where Aaron certainly didn't want to do Avedah Zara, so it's not usher, even if in theory, or if the Giladas with Adam Isa is enough, or if there was Giladas with a Isa. And one last point, and in addition to all of this, the Giladas was based on a mistake about what happened to Moshe. And so it's like they made a condition. So the Giladas is a is not a good enough Giladas, since the Giladas is almost, they were saying, this is what we want because we make, we're making a mistake about Moshe. But if we knew what would happen to Moshe, that nothing really happened, then we don't want it. So the Giladas itself is not really a proper and full Giladas, and so it's lacking as well. However, we have over here a side question within Halacha itself, and that is, however, we can still ask that Aaron had some connection to the Chet Eagle, because even if he didn't make Avedah Zara, but through him, Yidin did Avedah Zara, and he was over on Lifnei Iver Leisitin Michshol, not to lead a blind person to do an Avera, not to put a stumbling block in front of a blind person. And this question is especially according to the opinion that it's not a general Isser, Lufne Iver Leisitin Michshol, but rather it's a detail of each Isser that he's Machshol the other person in. So in other words, within each Isser, whatever the Isser may be in the Torah, there's a detail in that Isser, and that is that a person shouldn't be Machshol someone else to do it. And if the person is Machshol, then they participated in that individual Isser. So then we have this difficulty on what Aaron did. And the answer to this is simple. The Yidin were only commanded regarding much later. It's in Parshas Kedoshin. However, the Rebbe concludes that from the claim of Moshe, where he said, What did this nation do to, to you that you brought upon them this great sin? This is what Moshe told Aaron. And also from the fact that Hur rebuked the Yidin to the extent that they killed him. And also from the fact that since they, and especially Aaron, were commanded about many things by Morah, and we see that before Moshe went up into the mountain, he said whoever has an issue should go to them because they know the dinim. So the Yidin in general, and Aaron specifically, they were commanded about many things by Mara, and potentially including Lefnei'ev, Lefsit, and Mishol. So it doesn't seem so that there was no element of involvement by Aaron, that we should say he didn't make Avedah Zara, and he also didn't uh, cause Lefnei'ev in any way. It's difficult to say this. So this last answer, we conclude that saying that it's somewhat difficult. And now we're going to move on and conclude with the last part of the Sikha. From Yen Torah and Rashi, it's explained that the existence of sin, of chait, and the existence of Avedah Zara is because there's a source for it in Kedusha. The source in Kedusha for Avedah Zara, which is being separated from Achdus Hashem. So in Torah, the source for this is the division that's found in Torah. 
like sometimes we have two ways of learning something, and one place is brought down that Shivim Panam Latera, there are 70 ways, and the Arizal brings down, in the Kisra Arizal, it's brought down that there are 600,000 ways of learning something, corresponding to the 600,000 Nishamas. So this division in Torah is the source through much ashtalshalus to Aved Now this doesn't mean that this in and of itself, the division in Torah, chas v'shalom, creates the possibility for Aved Since Hashem and the Torah are one, and just like Hashem is completely one, so too the Torah in all its parts is completely one. So what does this mean? It's just that since there are many Purushim in Torah, so it gives the person learning it room to stray from the complete oneness that's in Torah, and this is the source through much ishtalshalus that leads to Aved and this is similar to the Maimar Razal on what it says, Nasa Adam. Why does it say Nasa Adam, plural, which could lead a person to think that there is another God? And it says over there, One who wants to make a mistake, let him come and make a mistake. So we see that the mistake comes from the person who wants to make a mistake, and not that the terror leads to it. And Rashi hints to this idea in his words, Yesh That what brings to Avayda Zara? Like the eagle that we're talking about over here is that a person can learn it in two ways. It's from the person that the person is able to learn it in two ways. And Rashi doesn't say yesh boy shnei panim that there isn't it two ways because that's not what leads to avodazara. What we're discussing here in the parsha of the eagle, what leads to avodazara is that the person could learn it in two ways. And the way it evolves from the way it exists in Torah and that the person learns it in two ways all the way through much ashtashlus into Avedazara is hinted to in this and the next two teachings of Rashi, where each of them has two ways of learning what the Pasuk says. First Rashi says in our Rashi, Yesh Bishne Panim. Then he says in the next Rashi, when we have the other opinion, V'yesh Aimrim. And then he says in the third Rashi, where there's the other opinion, Davar Acher. So first the person doesn't feel the Achtos in the Torah, Yesh Bishne Panim. And therefore, therefore he learns it in two ways. Then it leads to Yesh Aimrim that the person feels that there is a yesh. He feels as a yesh until he becomes separate from Elokus, a davar acher. And not only do we see this in this Rashi, in the next two Rashis, we actually see this in our Rashi itself. First, there is yesh letargamay b'shnei panim. This leads to that he ties his gold in a kerchief, that a person attributes the money to himself. He separates it. He's the one that made the money. So he feels like a yesh. That's the idea of the first Purushan Rashi, that Aaron tied the gold in a kerchief. And that leads him to the second Purushan Rashi, that he actually formed and engraved the eagle. And the source of this is the lack of Kabbalah's El Malchu Shemayim. As Rashi says on the word previously, right before this Rashi, Vayisparku. So Rashi says, L'shoin Prikas Masa, that it's about being Pirek Masa, being Pirek Oil. And when one has proper Kabbalah Shemayim, then they won't come to this at all. And that's why women and children didn't give any gold to the eagle. Because by women and children, the Muna and the Kabbalah is much stronger. And through strengthening the Muna and Kabbalah it strengthens the feeling of Achtas Hashem in everything. And even when one learns a matter in Torah, where there's a number of Purushan, the person feels, in the division itself, the person feels the true Achtas that there is in the Torah.